where three women with names discuss movies that are about something other than a man. Paid in Puke is hosted by Amy Green, Christina Barr, and Jessica Baxter. It's also a spoiler-filled free-for-all. You've been warned. On today's episode of Paid in Puke, we pay tribute to the late film auteur Lynn Shelton, who passed away on May 16, 2020. We're doing a double feature of the 2013 mumblecore drama Touchy Feely, starring Rosemary DeWitt and the scripted 2014 comedy Laggies, starring Chloe Grace Moretz and Kira Knightley. On today's episode of Paid and Puke, we're paying tribute to beloved Seattle filmmaker Lynn Shelton with two of her films, Laggies and Touchy Feely. Lynn unexpectedly passed away on May 16, 2020, at the age of 54. She basically was the Seattle independent film scene. She seemed to be the only one who could really get a movie made around here. Even though she'd moved to L.A., she was working predominantly in television. She always made sure to film her movies in Seattle and use local crew, which really meant a lot to the local scene because we don't really have a lot of film support. Like, we used to have a nonprofit that would give grants to filmmakers. But they stopped doing that, and so it just became completely unaffordable to make films here. So it was really good that she was keeping it local. These two films are interesting because they were her first two films where she was using a script more than improvisation. All of her films prior to that were, she said in an interview, like 80% improv. And these were, well, Laggies was a script that she didn't even write. Laggies was written by Andrea Siegel, a first-time screenwriter. Lynn did a rewrite of it, but the base of the script was Andrea Siegel. And then Touchy Feely, Lynn wrote herself. And they mostly stuck to the script with just a little bit of improv here and there. I I think I like Touchy Feely better, but I really liked, I love Ellie Kemper, and just the contrast between that group of her friends and your nightly I liked that storyline a lot coming out of your your childhood friends becoming different people which one do you want to start with (laughs) should we talk about laggies okay laggies came out in 2014 and it stars Kira Knightley and Chloe Grace Moretz hey excuse me we all forgot our IDs would you buy a six-pack or something someone did this for me when I was your age it's like a rite of passage right I had a good feeling about you. That makes one of us. Whoa, look at the nipples on this guy. Why would you tweak the nipples? That's Buddha. Did you convert to Buddhism? Want to stay for dinner? Is it make your own pizza night? Sure, great idea. Honey, I don't want to see you throw away your education. You have an advanced degree. I've waited to do this for so long. No, no, whoa, get up, get up. Just a second. I need to lay low for a week. My dad's wearing some lame divorcee mixer, so he'll be late. <laughs> Dad, you're supposed to knock. Wow, high school students are looking rougher and rougher these days. Who are you? It's kind of hard to explain. Hey, did you hear the one about the grown woman who started hanging out with a bunch of pubescent kids? No, what? No, I'd never heard of it before either. 
I don't know what to do with my future. And I gave myself a week. I never anticipated I'm gonna find a place where I fit in by the time I was an adult either. What do you say? Is this the time? You can stay here a little longer if you need to. You are driving around getting cappuccinos with Megan. Is that your drug dealer? I'm gonna tell you something that I've gotten some perspective on recently. You can't keep putting aside what you want for some imaginary future. You've just gotta suck it up and go with your gut. It's sort of about a woman who, you said it well before, Christina, that it's about a woman who's pulling away from her childhood best friends and striking out on her own late in life. She's 28 and she's gone to school to be a therapist and I think it's family or marriage counseling is what she's studied but she's not quite figured out actually putting that into practice and getting a job doing it and she's with her high school boyfriend and they still have the same very tight circle of friends from high school. They live on the east side and she's working for her dad, Jeff Garland, as a sign twirler for his tax office. And she's just sort of stuck in a way, like she's stuck not really knowing where to go. And I think the movie sort of about her figuring out what's working in her life and what's not working anymore and breaking away from her old identity, her old self, so she can be more authentic and figure things out. I really liked Ellie Kemper in it. I love the contrast between her and Kira Knightley. It's like her friends are very different fundamentally from her. Like maybe from childhood they were all very tight, but it's clear that they have different aspirations in life and they want different things. Her friends are sort of like more, sort of like normie, I guess. <laughs> I know, it's hard not to say normie. But, <laughs> well, but yeah, that is true. I mean, well, normie, is it? <laughs> <laughs> you can say normie. Well, they have different goals, right? Their goals are more traditional, where they think the thing to do is to have these milestones of getting married and having kids, and she's kind of more on her own path. She doesn't even know if she wants any of those things. It's all being thrust upon her because they want those things, and her boyfriend wants that, and so she's feeling the pressure. She doesn't really know anybody else who is telling her that there's a different way to live. She just kind of feels like, this is what I'm supposed to do because that's what everyone's telling me I'm supposed to do. Yeah. And then it isn't until she meets this teenage girl when she starts getting this idea that she can maybe be happy in a different way or at least she can take the time to figure things out. She doesn't have to make any big life decisions right now just because her friends are telling her she has to. Right, and then Ellie Kemper is sort of like, I get the sense she's sort of like the queen bee type person in the female friendship group, or maybe like the whole friend group. She's very judgmental about anything, like the whole scene where she gets mad at Kira Knightley for, Ellie Kemper is opening a a Buddha bar or something, like, which is like (laughs) cultural appropriation, but also like very cheesy and cringy thing, and she gets mad at, I guess there's a big gold Buddha in the front of the restaurant, nightclub, and she like tweaks the Buddha's nipples, and then <laughs> Ellie Kemper gets really mad at her, like, why did you do that? Whoa, look at the nipples on this guy. And why would you tweak the nipples on the Buddha? That seemed like disrespectful. 
Disrespectful to who? To, to you? Did you convert to Buddhism? That, no, that's disgusting. I'm not Buddhist. It, it's just, that's Buddha. That's Buddha. Right, right. But you know, that, that was a joke about nipples, right? And, and not Buddhism. Yeah, Buddha is sacred to a lot of people, but that is... This is a party, so let's just forget about it. And it's just like, what the hell? <laughs> she has big white lady energy. <laughs> big Karen energy. Big Karen energy. <laughs> They're all just so codependent on each other. I don't know if it's codependent is the word, but her boyfriend mm -hmm. can't even propose. He almost orchestrated the permission to clear it with Ellie Kemper first kind of thing. Yeah, to do it at her wedding, which actually that's a hot prop for me because I hate it when people do that. Shut up. Hot props is on. Oh shit, yeah. I've been such a bonehead in waiting to do this for so long. No, no. Whoa, get up, get up. Okay. Get up. Okay. Yeah. I'm up and listen, okay. I know. We have had our trouble in the past with recognizing our moments, but this is it. No. This is our moment. No, this isn't our moment. This is Allison's moment. This is her wedding. I know, and it's totally cool. When I first had the idea, I ran it by her, and she was so happy for us. And today at lunch, I got a fortune cookie that said Carpe Diem. I really hate it when people propose at other people's weddings. You should know not to do that, you know? But I guess she approved of it. She was like, yeah, go ahead. And then she was like, has it happened yet? But I don't know why she would say yes, and I don't know why anyone would want to do that. It's just it's such a weird thing to do. I guess people think that's very romantic or something. That, like, love is in the air, like, pass it forward or something. Not, let's make your night about me. Hey. Yeah. Maybe she approved it because then she's tied in with their engagement, and that's her story forever, is that they got engaged at her wedding or something. I guess it makes sense that that character would be interested in that sort of dynamic. Because <laughs> she does seem, like you said, she's like the boss of the group, basically. She's like the upper management, and everyone has to run everything by her. And when they don't, she gets really upset. And then she was so mad that Kira Knightley skipped out. She's like, you aren't in any of the table picks. What happened to you last night? I, I'm so sorry, I got sick. Sick? She had a few too many drinks and ended up vomiting in a parking lot. I'm sorry. Why would you possibly drink that much? Now, you are not in any of the table pictures. You are missing from the video. You Ashley Birch. You had everyone scared to death. Where the hell have you been? I got sick. Oh, she said she got sick. Wow, you would think you would be like, is everything okay? We didn't see you. Or... Yeah, she's the kind of person who has like a checklist for photos that she needs in her wedding album, and if it doesn't work out that way, it's very upsetting to her. That part of a wedding is so exhausting. I did not like being the bride. It's so not a good fit for me, where every single thing has to be run by you, you know? <laughs> I know some people, that's like a dream scenario. God, I'm sure it's fine. Like, do whatever. <laughs> I was wondering how much it cost to get married at the Chihuly Museum. <laughs> yeah, that must have been expensive. I loved seeing that in the movie because there's so many movies or shows that say it's Seattle, but the shots are obviously like the killing said it was in Seattle and it's that mm -hmm. show on EMC, which I like, but I was just like, 
That is so not Seattle. They just get a shot of the Space Needle and then they film in Vancouver. Yeah, they do that a lot. So I really appreciate that she actually filmed in Seattle. The reason for that is because you get a tax break if you film in Vancouver. That's why that happens so much. It's expensive yeah. to film here. You have to really want it. And permits are expensive, but it's cheap to film in Vancouver, so that's why they're always like, all right, we'll just get a quick shot of the Space Needle and then we'll hop across the border. Uh, yeah, I was wondering, like, how did she manage to pull all that off? Was she just able to raise a lot of money to make her movies? Here? I don't know. Or, like, she just had people that were willing to help. Maybe just a lot of connections. She's good at talking yeah. to people. Maybe she was just able to be like, can we just shoot here and we'll clean up afterwards and <laughs> don't charge us too much money? I don't know. They had that Chihuly cake, which couldn't have been cheap. <laughs> I feel like a lot of the budget might have gone to that, but it was worth it. I thought that prop was very funny. Chihuly is so ridiculous. I hate Chihuly stuff. It's very, very popular, though. Yeah, it fits with that character. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. The last time my in-laws were visiting, my father-in-law got in his head that he really wanted to go to the Chihuly Museum and no one else really wanted to, so we had to figure out a time to drop him off and pick him up from there. <laughs> Everyone else was like, no, we're not doing it. I think it's very funny that her boyfriend is Stephen Stills from Scott Pilgrim. Oh, yeah! <laughs> That's like the only thing I know that guy from. Hey Knives, this is Steven Stills. He's the talent. Hey. Is she gonna geek out on us? She'll just sit in the corner, man. I mean, I want her to geek out on us. She'll geek, she geeks. She has the capacity to geek. Okay. You're good. I don't think I've seen him in anything else. Any other hot props? I don't have too many for either of these movies, but definitely the proposed little wedding I hate. Yeah, I guess for me, at the wedding when she sees her dad as someone else and then she freaks out and leaves, but I don't get why she didn't just tell her boyfriend what she saw, like what happened, you know? Yeah, that is a good point. That's generally a hot problem for me in any TV or movie is when someone doesn't tell you something very vital just to move the plot forward. Why wouldn't you just tell somebody that? Yeah, I feel like you'd be bursting to tell somebody. Like <laughs> the first person you see. My dad was getting a hand job. <laughs> the hot prop for me was I felt like Sam Rockwell's character was, I didn't really like him that much. I felt like he had a little bit of a creepiness to him or, or sleaziness to him. Well, he is a lawyer. <laughs> I just felt like in the end, I was glad that she left that friend group. And clearly those are the wrong people for you. But I was kind of like, uh, I don't know about this guy, you know? <laughs> Then, like, the scene where Chloe Moretz's friend, his dad, is getting a divorce. The scene in the morning where he's like, hey, do me a favor. If you need to get your aggression out against your dad, just be aggressive with me or something instead. Like, do me a favor. And I just felt like that was just weird. I don't know. Listen, I know you want to kill your dad. Sometimes I do too, but I'm doing my best to keep this case civil on his end, and toilet papering isn't gonna help. So if you wanna take some aggression out on a father figure, let's get scrappy, man, so you can move on. You're a divorce lawyer? Yeah, he's my dad. Using kids as a pawn in a divorce thing, I just wasn't into that. Yeah, I guess I just didn't like Sam Rockwell's character that much. <laughs> he definitely seems to work too much. He's always working. I feel like that's true though. Like anytime I've had a need for a lawyer, which obviously is right now and then also about 10 years ago, we were involved in a lawsuit. This one I realized like it must suck to be 
be married to a lawyer because my lawyer from forever ago. A bunch of times this happened where I call him and get like an automatic response saying, I am out of town for a week and my paralegal will get back to you or something like that. Like he's on mm-hmm. vacation. And then I'd leave him my message and then 10 minutes later he would call me back. Oh, God. <laughs> you know, and then at the end was, I really gotta go. My wife, you know, it's, I do feel like that's true. The lawyers are just always at work. That sucks though. Yeah. <laughs> it's not what you want in a single dad or a boyfriend, I wouldn't think. I wouldn't think so, no. I didn't like his personality at first. He kind of grew on me. But I feel like when he first shows up in the movie, he's real like, you know. <laughs> much. Yeah. Like, and it comes on strong right away. Mr. Personality. Yeah, he definitely, like, his fathering style is quippy. He's a real quippy dad. Hey. Whoa, you're supposed to knock. Write a letter. I don't know you. Megan. Craig. She's a new friend. You're supposed to be that mixer. Yeah, well, I came home to change, so I don't look like a lawyer. Wow. High school students are looking rougher and rougher these days. Just graduated. God, you can be rude sometimes. Look, she's a new friend, okay? We're just going to go to the movies. Right. Well, let me know if the teen vampire gets the girl. And be home by 10. Which I feel like would get exhausting if you had to live like that. Sam Rumble's in general pretty charming to me, but then when he was in the Fosse Verdon series, he was repugnant. A big problem for me and Fosse Verdon was that Bob Fosse is supposed to be the most charismatic man in the universe, and I was just like, this guy sucks. <laughs> he was not pulling it off for me. He's a good dancer, but I'm like, why are all these women falling at his feet? It is interesting. I was very surprised by that. I don't have strong feelings about him either way. I kind of feel like Sam Rockwell is what Ed Norton wishes he were. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? (laughs) Like, Ed Norton's too serious to be that, but he wants to be, like, the jokey, cool character actor, but he can't quite pull it off, and Sam Rockwell's like, this is easy for me. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, he can be very charming, I think. And I guess a hot property is that his hangover cure is just a gin and tonic. With Tabasco in it, I think, but that's not a hangover. That's just still drinking. <laughs> There's no cure there. And then that causes the whole issue, right, with the drunk driving. <laughs> if she just had some orange juice or, like, an egg or something, this wouldn't have happened. And then I also felt really bad for that girl at the end where Chloe Grace Moretz, his character is named Annika, where Annika likes that boy so she cuts in on that dance. Why not just wait till they're done? She just kind of stands over there and then nudges this yeah. girl out of the way. Pretty rude. Hey, um, I wanted to tell you, um, I have serious feelings for you and I would like to cut in. And then that girl's just standing there for a long time, not knowing what to do. That is a little bit awkward for her. (laughs) Next call. She's going to live with this teenager for a week. What does she expect will happen after the week is up? Sleeping on the floor of this teenage girl's (laughs) bedroom and flirting with her dad. And she goes to see Gretchen Maul, Chloe's mom. That scene was really sad. Oh god, she's been in there making lemonade for like 20 minutes. I don't think she's coming out. Let's take her and put her in the car and tell her I'm sorry. Whatever else you need to. And then her mom is giving her lingerie and she's trying to yeah. relate to her. They send me home with so many things from these photo shoots. Um, 
I just thought that since, you know, obviously, well, you're a growing woman, and um, well, maybe there might be some things you like in here. Um, do you like this one? Yeah, it's really nice. I think that's about right. I mean, do you like black? Is black a color you like? Sure. Great. Great. I have more. What about florals? I mean, do you wear nightgowns or I don't know, thongs? Are you into thongs or no? I like that one with the bows. Great. It was great that Cougar Knightley went with her and was like, she just wants you to ask 10 questions about her life and... Yeah, bring her some lemonade. What does she expect? That you serve some lemonade and you ask her five to 10 questions about her life. Treat somebody badly enough, you just assume they'll be happy to let you go. You see that her character can't even relate to her daughter, and that was a rough scene, I thought. Yeah, it was. It's not a dynamic you see in movies very often, but it definitely is a thing that it happens. Never knew how to be a mom and just can't deal. And I'm sure she just has so much guilt. That's why she's hiding in the kitchen. Yeah. She can't even bring herself to consider spending time with her daughter without guidance. I wonder how that relationship is all going to turn out at the end. <laughs> I want to see a postscript for this movie. Does Kira Knightley just become Annika's mom? Yeah. Is that what's going to happen there? Or does that relationship go south really fast and then, I don't know. And I can see it working as almost like a big sister to her slash her dad's girlfriend. I don't think that she would be like a mom to her mm -hmm. so much. Maybe just an undefined, older woman, friend, you know what I mean? Yeah. It seems like there's a lot of potential for that to blow up, though, in different ways. Yeah. I really liked how Annika handled the whole thing, though, finding out, like, she was, like, pretty cool about it. I really liked that. And then when the other girl, wait, I think Caitlin, you were just like, wait, is she boning your dad? Is that what happened? <laughs> <laughs> you know, if he wants to take you to the movies or whatever, I decided not to lose my shit over it. Yeah, I, I don't think that dating is in the future um, for your dad. I just hear your boning, Mr. Hunter. No, it's not like that. It rusts. I've already started underlining meaningful passages in her copy of Mopey Dick, if you know what I mean. I really love seeing little baby Caitlyn Beaver in this movie. Yeah. Oh my god, she's the cutest! <laughs> I love when they go to the house party and she's like, I'm here, the party's here. I love that. <laughs> She's a funny dancer. I love her dancing. I really laughed a lot when Steven still says, it's like you're having your bachelorette party but at a seminar. I think this is going to be really good for me. Mm, me too. It's like you're having your bachelorette party but at a seminar. Yeah. yeah. That made me laugh a lot. And I also really, in that same scene where she's just kind of deciding what she's doing in that moment, she's like, I want to go to the personal development seminar, and he says, really? And she's, the way she says, yeah, is so amazing. She's like, I can't believe I'm committing to this right now. <clears throat> God, yeah, I can't. Today after that. <laughs> what do you mean? Why? 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 Oh my God, I really wanted to, to, uh, to, 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 uh, <laughs> to go to that uh, personal development seminar. Wait, really? Yeah. 
On Orcus? Yeah. Right. I liked, I can't, I don't remember what the context was. I think someone throwing something, but he goes, that almost hit my dick. <laughs> and like, the cool mom is really the bad mom or the mom that's become a joke. But then one day I realized there's no such thing as a cool mom. That the cool mom is really just the bad mom or the mom who's become a joke. I don't think I agree with that. Should finger bang in the street. Oh, yeah, I wrote that down too. I just, I just, I just, uh, I don't think we should finger bang in the street. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you know, of course. Just, uh, no, 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 no. We should go ahead to my the house. house yeah. yeah. It's a good point. They were so drunk. They had so many drinks in such a short amount of time. When they show up, the guy's like, I'm closing in 10 minutes. Which is a mini hot crowd there. You shouldn't go into a place right when they're closing. Yeah, you should say, oh, I'm sorry, and we'll come back another time. <laughs> they did drink a lot in a short time. I like where she goes with the kids after the wedding to the park, and they're all hanging out, drinking, and Karen Knightley is sort of having this realization about her friends and talking to Caitlin Beaver. There's a line where she's like, maybe they're the ones telling the jokes and I'm the one who's missing them. She's just really trying to realize what is wrong. You think that somebody who you've known for forever would have known what you meant about nipples. And it's like, hey, hey, maybe, maybe like using Buddha as a restaurant decoration is the bigger joke, right? <laughs> Or maybe, maybe actually they're the ones that are telling the jokes and I'm the one that's missing them, you know? It makes me really sad what you're saying. It's sad. I don't even know what you're talking about, but still. Something's off. Why am I not fitting in anymore? Why are mm -hmm. these relationships not working anymore? It must be something wrong with me. I like where her friends are asking her the next day after the wedding to be the godparents. And the, the friend is like, we know you're not technically married. You're, you know, you're doing the whole Goldie Hawn thing. Theo and I have been talking it over. And even though you guys aren't technically married, you know, you're doing the whole Goldie Hawn thing. But, you know, you've been together the longest and you are young and you are fun. So fun and you know if we're being responsible you're stable mm -hmm. and what we wanted to ask you is, is would you be our baby's godparents oh are you kidding no <laughs> sure is it official you were looking at jupiter's godparents <gasps> jupiter yeah, nobody has that name, oddly. It's uh, Bedna. Like the planet, no, wait, except wait, 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 two, peas. two peas. Two peas. Yeah. What else does a suicide need, huh? Now, if you'll excuse me. Oh, I guess I have one other hot prop, which is that Sam Rockwell still has a Blockbuster card for some reason. Right. <laughs> it's 2014. They don't live in Bend, Oregon. <laughs> the last Blockbuster is. Yeah, like in Touchy Feely, the websites, there's a scene where he's looking at websites. <laughs> And it's like, is that what websites looked like in 2013? That's what fake movie websites looked like in 2013. <laughs> yeah, there was a funny fake search engine. We can talk about that. We can move on if you guys don't have any more Eskimos or Hot Prads. 
Do you want to move on to Touchy-Feely? Yeah, let's do it. Real quick, Touchy-Feely came out in 2013, and it was written and directed by Lynn Shelton, starring Rosemary DeWitt and Allison Janney and Ellen Page. I'm going to spray some rose water, okay? Take a deep breath. Abby, will you marry me? <laughs> Paul, how's the practice doing? Great. Who's next? No one today. How's the apartment search? You found something? Not yet. Why don't you just move in with me? You should get Reiki done. Just climb on up here and get comfortable. That looks actually really comfortable, but I should have been more specific. Chesney asked me to move in with him. I don't want him to touch me. I can't connect. Why don't you come over here and I'll give you a back rub? I don't know. Hi. Abby's not here. Do you want to go maybe see some music with me? Have you ever wanted to kiss someone so badly that it hurts your skin? I mean, you know I love Abby, right? Your energy is off. It's fearful. I need you to fix me, please. You can fix yourself. Abby. Just let go of your fear and embrace the world. He says you cured him. Thank you. Oh. Look what you are doing for people. Something beautiful happened. is about a massage therapist who suddenly develops a weird aversion to touching other people's skin. It's very inconvenient for her and it happens right around the time her boyfriend proposes. Or proposes moving in together. Her boyfriend Scoop McInary. He was everywhere lately. I got, know him. What else is he? He's just got so many little credits here and there. He's got 80 IMDb credits. He's been on like one episode of every TV show. And then let's see what's her name? Abby. Her brother is a straight-laced dentist, and at the same time that she develops this aversion to touching people, is suddenly able inexplicably to heal people of their TMJ, and then it boosts his dental business for a while, and he doesn't know how he's doing it. It's kind of funny. He's like, this can't be happening, but it seems to be happening, so I don't know. Of course, it backfires eventually. I guess it's a little bit of a hot prop for me. If other people really are feeling better, how does that one guy having a hissy fit in the waiting room completely kill his business? Shut up. Hot probs is on. Oh, shit, yeah. Hello, doctor. Oh, there you are. You did not cure my TMJ. Mm -hmm. no, I never, I never promised. You didn't promise? I paid you money. I'd like my money back, please. Not only is my TMJ raging, but I left here with the worst headache of my life. But I still have it. You know, it's getting worse. Maybe if you could calm down and stop yelling well, at everybody. screw you! Yeah, that whole storyline was questionable to me. <laughs> I mean, like, how big a thing of this, like, word-of-mouth TMJ networking on TV? Right. That was my first question. How popular can a dentist really get, you know? You don't remember the 2013 TMJ scourge? <laughs> and how bad can TMJ get, too? That that one guy couldn't sing anymore because of it? I guess it gets bad. I felt like that storyline wasn't holding up under a lot of scrutiny. It did not make a ton of sense. I just felt like I didn't get his character at all. What was his deal? His personality was 
so non-existent. Yeah, we don't really know much about him. I mean, he's a single dad. He's about to be an empty nester, I guess. Is his daughter a full-on grown-up? That also had a question, too, which yeah. I wrote down. How old is Ellen Page supposed to be? I feel like she's a real adult. You know, she wants to go to school. She's applying to colleges, but I don't think she's just out of high school. I don't get what's going on there. Hello? Did you get the map? application? I didn't send them. Are you serious? Yeah, I'm serious. What the fuck? Why? What the fuck? Give me a break. What do you mean give you a break? Why didn't you send them? It's like a really bad time. It's a great time. It's not a great time. Why? We can barely pay Susan. What does that mean? What does it mean? It means that we haven't had a new client forever and all of grandpa's clients are dying now? Yeah, and that's not your problem. Yeah, well, that's really easy for you to say. Yeah, it is easy for me to say. And it's easy for you to say, too. You don't get it. Look, I love you. What's your life? She's just been working for him for a while, but that's not really yeah. what she wants to do. Yeah, I definitely didn't think she was just out of high school, but it was like, I think that from like supposed to be like, she and what's Abby? Abby. Supposed to be kind of close in age, but she's actually her niece. Mm -hmm. I think maybe that's like why it's left a little murky. Like, how old is this girl? I don't know. Right. I mean, I think she was over 21. <laughs> <laughs> that whole situation, I didn't really get what exactly was going on there. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's more stories about stalled people. That seems to be a common theme. People just kind of stuck in a rut and not following their heart in terms of what they want to do with their lives, but not really knowing how to get out of it either. And then there's an inciting incident that makes them move forward. If we're kind of talking about hot props, Hunt and Gather was the name of the search engine. <laughs> I read that oh, yeah. down. Technology in her movies doesn't seem to be very like, well, there's not a lot of technology in her movies, and I kind of appreciate that. It's just more about how people are face-to-face, -face. and there are scenes in Touchy Feely where there's no dialogue, where the brother comes back, and his sister is just at the dining table, and they hold hands briefly, mm -hmm. and he goes out of the room, and that's the whole scene. There's no words. I like that. I don't really see that a lot in movies, just like people's body language and how they relate to each other can say a lot without a lot of dialogue. <laughs> or those parallel scenes with the ecstasy. Each of them coming and looking at the bag of pills yeah. and contemplating. I liked both of those scenes in the parallel of that. Finding the bag, seeing that there's only one pill left, knowing that there were two in there, and <laughs> working out what happened. Yeah, he is a dentist. It sounds like their father was a dentist, and he's groomed himself to be this dentist as well. And the office is definitely not updated. It's kind of like an old school dentist office. I like how when he goes to the Reiki appointment and Alice and Janie ask him to go to a beach or imagine something very comfort zone. And he's like, it's my office. Yeah. Where he looks at x-rays. You know what? Maybe you should picture yourself as someplace where you feel the most comfortable, a place where you feel safe, place where you feel happy. Yeah. Picture that. The office. Look at my office. Your office? Mm -hmm. um, maybe we should try to get out of the office and go 
go to the beach and sit on the sand and feel the warm sun on your skin. I'd rather, I'd rather be at the office. Yeah. Okay, all right. So is there a favorite chair in your office or a favorite? I like the back room. The back room. Do you look at x-rays? Look at x-rays, okay. Well, you look at x-rays in your back room and I will do Reiki. Okay. And I love the montage of him and Allison Janey. To see him get on the Reiki table. That was hilarious. So why don't you just climb on up here and get comfortable with your head this way. Uh, oh, well, okay. That's the most interesting way anyone's ever gotten on my Reiki table. <laughs> okay. Okay. Put my head up there. Yes. That looks actually really comfortable, but I should have been more specific. I meant on your, you can get on your back oh. with your head up here. Okay. Perfect. Like that? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Is that good? That's perfect. Just like if you let your feet, your legs lie flat on the table. Okay. Yeah. Just completely let your legs fall where they, let your feet fall. Just like that? Absolutely relax. Okay. Let, let every muscle just relax. Your hands. Okay. Just resting comfortably at your side. All right. Yeah, just be comfortable. All right. Everything's fine. This is good. And like, I see the other scene where he's opening up his arms and standing on a ball and bouncing. I mean, he's really trying, you know? He's so in his head about Reiki. He's like, I just want to know how to do it. Are you okay? Uh-huh. No, I just want to know um, what it's about. Reiki? You know? Yeah, like, how you're doing, what are you, how are you doing it? How, how, how are you doing it? Like, what are you... Well, do you want to learn how to do Reiki? Yes. Because I can I mean, I can show you how. I can teach you. Great. I can, Great. But uh, it is energy work. You know that, don't you? Are you aware of that? It's energy work. Energy. And I channel energy into you to help you balance your energy. And uh, You know what? Why don't we just, for today, why don't I work on you and you can feel what it feels like and then we can meet another time and I can explain everything to do with Reiki. Okay. You could even be a Reiki master if you wanted to be. Is that what you want? <laughs> you could be a Reiki master. And yeah. And you like, actually be vulnerable enough to, like, experience it for yourself. <laughs> and I felt really, like, proud of him. Because I feel like I am way too in my head about things all the time and sometimes it's really hard to get over that discomfort i have to be really uncomfortable and i don't want to be really uncomfortable but that's the point you have to do that if you want to grow or do anything or go forward with anything i really like the brother character a lot he was uh, interesting pretty unusual type of character for a movie yeah. yeah i was absolutely dying when he was climbing on the table not knowing how to get on the table <laughs> really good physical comedy that was very She was pretty funny. I thought that they really nailed the language at any rate. I personally don't jive with Reiki, but I've met Reiki people. My mom was into it. Just in terms of the way that they talk about things and energy and it's energy work. And like, they just got all the language perfect. Allison Janney sounded 100% authentic to me. (laughs) And even her tone of voice, like the way that she speaks so quietly. And yeah, I loved it. I thought it was really funny too at the beginning when 
Abby's talking to, I forget her brother's name, but she's sick. She has this tonic. I have a friend who makes these incredible energy tonics that stimulate everything, your liver, your gallbladder, well, your kidneys. Okay, I don't think that elixir's are dad's thing. Well, maybe not. What does it taste like? It tastes like it's shit. Garbage, but so good for you. Cleansing, yeah, healing. It's so funny how that realm of medicine is so similar to old-timey snake oil, right? Oh, it's just this tonic that fixes everything. You should try it. You'll feel amazing. I thought it was super weird that Abby and her boyfriend fucked in the bathroom at her brother's house. I mean, I guess they were trying to show that there was a real sexy relationship, but I thought that was super weird. Yeah, and then she beats him at work and tries to fuck him in the bathroom there, but can't do it. Like, what is it with her in bathrooms? Yuck. Right. <laughs> yeah. Then, like, when they're hosting her family for dinner and she's an hour and a half late, going back to technology in this movie, it's 2013, everybody has a phone. How are you an hour and a half late and he didn't call, you didn't call, or anything? And I thought she was overall kind of shitty to him, especially when she did show up at his work and made him take his shirt off and kiss her, and then she's like, ah! Are you doing me a favor? Are you okay? Yeah, I'm good. Will you take your shirt off? He might have just been in the park too and that's why they were able to walk to the house from the park but he does kind of have a weird like a theory i know she's high so there's that aspect of it but it does kind of feel like he might be not really there I really want to 
had to fix his hair. I actually do write a proud Ron Livingston's hair. Oh. <laughs> He's yeah. so cute. One of my notes was, how fucking cute is Ron Livingston in this movie? Like, I think he's yeah, so cute. Yeah, he was not cute in this movie at all. His hair was ruining it. Oh, I thought he was so cute. I don't know. I definitely see wanting to brush his hair to the side or something, but his level of scruff was really working for me. He's so cute. I did think that there was a lot of very palpable sparks between them, and they're married in real life. Yeah, I looked it up because I knew they were married, but I was like, did they meet on this movie or what? They got married in 2009. Yeah. That's pretty good right there to still look at your life like that. And I have a fun fact for you, Amy. Do you know who Rosemary DeWitt was married to before she was married to Ron Livingston? No. Chris Messina. (gasps) What? (laughs) Yeah. So she's got a type, yeah. I can't believe that she's married. Ron Livingston, and he's not even her hottest husband. <laughs> See, I think Ron Livingston's hotter than Chris Messina, personally. <laughs> I love Chris Messina. Since he was Claire's boyfriend in Six Feet Under, oh God, I love, yeah. I loved him and that. You have to promise me you won't listen to this until you start to drive away tomorrow morning. I can't play it tonight at my big farewell dinner. You won't even come to Everybody's going to want a piece of you. I'm sorry, but I don't want to share you. That's sweet. And strangely possessive. Oh my god, I totally forgot about that. Wow. He shows up at the funeral or whatever when they're all in the montage at the end. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I really liked him on that. I like him in everything. It was upsetting for me in Birds of Prey because he has this weird blonde hair. Blonde hair was not working for me in Birds of Prey, but everything else about him was working for me. <laughs> yeah, I had to Google that when you mentioned it. It does not work for him. Sometimes it is really hot when like a dark-haired guy bleaches his hair blonde, but not in that case. I can't think of a time that that's ever hot to me. I really like a darker, like smoldering dark hair. <laughs> what were we even talking Yeah, about? I don't know. <laughs> Let's see, any other hot probs that I had? She leaves the ecstasy pills right on the table for everybody at dinner to see them. I felt like, of course that's going to turn into a thing. But well, I think she wanted people to see and ask about it. You know? Oh, okay. Yeah. I think she was I kind of trying to test the waters. What do people think about this? Yeah, because she wasn't sure that she wanted to do it. Right. It's pretty funny that Alice and Janu just had those laying around. You know what I happen to have is two pills of ecstasy. <laughs> really? She's <laughs> like, are you fucking with me? Yeah. It's not the kind of thing people just hang on to for a rainy day. I have not done MDMA, so I cannot verify how accurate the being high on MDMA scene is. But it seems nice. Lynn makes it look really nice. Kind of mushroomy, but the colors aren't all fucked up. And plants aren't breathing. <laughs> I loved the scene of her putting her hand and her face on the grass, or the moss, at the park. Yeah. I do love that it does seem to kind of work to with the resetting. Like, I love that that's the one thing that Alice and Janney's character said where I was like, that sounds right to me. Where she's like, it might reset your brain. <laughs> turning it off and on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Have you tried turning it off and back on yet? 
Maybe you need a physiological trigger. Have you ever tried MDMA? Like ecstasy? Yeah. It's kind of a big deal in certain psychotherapy circles. Are you fucking with me right now? No. Charlie and I tried it. We did it. It was a great way for us to reconnect. Think of it as a hall pass, a permission slip to just let go of your fear and embrace the world. And I like that that worked. I thought that was cool. I really love all the close-up shots of skin. I don't know how she makes it look so horrifying. I don't feel like she did anything different other than have a very detailed lens. Kind of like looking in, you know, in hotels where they have the magnifying mirror. You sometimes accidentally see yourself in it and you're like, ah! <laughs> that was what it was reminding me of. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. It's actually relatable how everything about him was about bikes. How long were you a messenger for? Mm, like five or six years. Is that when you first got into like all like, the biking? Yeah, it, it was just so much different than um, just a different vibe. It was more my anarchist stage. And we're just cycling. Yeah. He bikes everywhere. He has to like bring his bike in, and he works in a bike shop. And then his front door has the "Give Bikers Three Feet" sticker on it. <laughs> like some bike thing on his fridge, and he's like, "Oh, I'm organizing a group ride." I found that very <laughs> true. Yes. <laughs> bike everywhere. Everything they do is related to bikes. Yeah. Pretty hardcore bike culture. There's not a lot of super casual bikers in Seattle. Right. And I guess it's true, like, that's why, like, the bike shares don't tend to work out here because if you're gonna bike in Seattle, you have to be pretty into it because it's hard to bike here. So I guess anybody that does bike regularly is hardcore into biking. Mm hmm. And has their own bike with the gears. And I mean, I'm a casual biker and I want my own bike. I gotta say, having the many gears is really the only way to do it. You cannot have a gearless bike here because you'll just die. Walking up hills. Yeah, you're walking up hills all the time. I've already started underlining meaningful passages in her copy of Mopey Dick, if you know what I mean. I wrote down, you would love Reiki, because that really rings true to me. Like, you can't be into Reiki and not assume that everyone else is going to love it. You should get Reiki done. Paul, you would love Reiki. Mm -hmm. What's Reiki? What is Energy work, essentially. Energy work. Helps you release emotional blockages and clear out pathways and just makes you feel awesome in general you would love reiki like just say that to him and then he does end up liking it which is hilarious to me because i feel like that does not ring true but i guess like not all reiki masters are alice and janney i can see why you'd be like yeah i am really into this i just really love that one you would love reiki i like you look one yes <laughs> she says to her brother at dinner she says that a couple times just like he just looks really wan you look wan one. Mm-hmm. Are you sleeping? You got bags. You're all puffy. Yeah, I'm sleeping. Where she's like, tell me about your brother. What are his symptoms? And she's like, he's he's uptight. He's judgmental. He's, yeah, like... He's one. He's, um... He's really, uh... Depleted. His, like, energy is 
gone. He's all sucked in and wan and okay. he's not sleeping good. Okay. I love when Allison Janney says to Rosemary DeWitt when she's questioning moving in with Jesse, and she's like, isn't it awful? Something beautiful happened. I mean, he was supposed to be my rebound, you know? Yeah. Just my get back in the game guy. Yeah, and look what happened. Isn't that awful? Something beautiful happened. Is it? You actually have a... Is it? I don't yes. know. Is it being tied down again going to be awesome? Or is it going to be like a cage? and like? No. Honey, I keep telling you, I've always told you, you have something that, yes, started sexually. Mm-hmm. And it's grown into something beautiful. That's what happened for me and Charlie. We started out that way. And that was the most meaningful relationship of my entire life. I just love that. Why? I really liked that whole conversation, everything about it. One of my asked when she says he was supposed to be my rebound. <laughs> that was a hard relate. I would not want that to happen. Yeah. <laughs> he does have major rebound energy. <laughs> Like, I don't feel like they're going to make it in the long run. To me, that's not a happy... Like, I want to see where, like, you rebound with someone and it's only physical and it does its thing and then peters out. Yeah. I not see a, a physical rebound thing become more than that. That's not what I like to see. But I really liked that whole conversation, yeah, and everything that Alice did. <laughs> and then she says, I just don't want you to fuck it up. <laughs> I wrote down two things that she said about energy, too. They're both in the same conversation. When Abby comes to see her and she's like, there's something off with you. She's like, your energy is completely wobber job. <laughs> and then she says, your energy is fearful. Okay, what's going on with you? I don't know. Your energy is, is just completely wobber job. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I just I feel really weird. Everything is weird. I don't know. I'm... I just, I feel off. Well, your energy is off. It's completely all over the place and incredibly fearful. For me, I was like, that is too accurate. Wow. <laughs> she really hung out with some Reiki people to research this role. What I really love about the ecstasy scene, I really like how she photographs the park and the cracks in the sidewalk and the plants. I feel like in general, Lynn's just super great at photographing Seattle. Like it's nothing like you were saying, Christina, where it's like a shot of the Space Needle and Gasworks and then we're done. She really gets the feeling of Seattle and what it's really like to live here. She shoots bridges and she shoots the trees. She gets the lush greenery really well. And yeah, all the plants growing through the sidewalk. You cannot have smooth pavement around here. It's just always cracked and things growing through it. And I really feel like because of the way she shoots, it has a very extra Seattle feel to it. It's not just that Seattle is where the movie takes place. Like, it really gives you the energy of living here. <laughs> what else does a suicide need, huh? Now, if you'll excuse me. So this is what's called a lunchtime poll. What is our official lunchtime poll question? Well, I thought we could do a two-parter. Okay. We were talking about what's your favorite Seattle location to see in a movie or on tele like in just on screen in general. What's your favorite Seattle location to see on screen? And then maybe what's something that you haven't seen on screen that you would like to see? Oh, I mean, that's such an easy one. <laughs> Is it? 
Yes, well, for me, but, like, does everyone want that? <laughs> I would like to see our murals in a movie at some point. I think that would be really cool. That would be awesome. Also, that would be super cool if a movie took place over a long period of time in Seattle and there was an early shot of just Betty. <laughs> later shot of Betty and Divide. That would be cool. Well, since I've already sort of started, I'll say my favorite thing to see on screen, I've seen in a couple of movies, is The Guild 45th movie theater and I feel like we're probably not going to see it in any movies ever again because it's really gone to shambles like it was falling apart on the inside before it closed and now it's falling apart on the outside and I'm sure they're just going to tear it down but I've seen it in a couple movies and I've always got really excited it's a very cool looking building I mean I think that's why it's shown up if you want to have a cool looking Seattle art house theater then you shoot the outside and then kill 45th because that's that's what it looks like. Who wants to go next? Alright, I'll go. Well, right down the street from the guild, my favorite thing is in the opening of Singles, and you can see the food giant, which is now QFC. I, you know, I just really like that shot because it is right around the corner from my house. I also like, I haven't seen it that much, but I appreciate seeing the troll in a movie because I don't know if I've ever seen it. Maybe that will be my what I would want to see. Because I feel like that's a very, very Seattle-specific, quirky thing that's there sort of for no reason, you know? Right. <laughs> so I don't know if I've actually seen it in a movie, so maybe that's my thing I would like to see in movie. Yeah, I can't think of any movies in particular. It's kind of surprising to me, though, that it wouldn't have. Yeah. Maybe you see it and say anything. I feel like I remember him driving around Fremont. Do you for sure see the people waiting for the bus statue? Oh, yeah, the waiting for the interurban. Yeah. So, I don't know if you see the troll. Maybe you do. I mean, it's like right over there. It'd be weird, like, why would he show that and not the troll? Well, <laughs> you wouldn't drive past the troll. Well, his route is crazy anyway, because he's at a party in Lakewood, and then and we're supposed <laughs> to think that Lakewood is like right outside of Seattle, and not and 45 he, minutes away. He drives past the guild, and then in the next shot, he's driving past Bellevue Square. Yeah. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> 40 minutes away. I know. You could conceivably just randomly drive past the waiting for the interurban people, but you kind of have to deliberately drive past the troll, you know? Like, that's not a street you would just be driving on. I do actually kind of cut that way into <laughs> Fremont sometimes. Right, I'm not saying like you could, but I, I mean, it just seems more mm -hmm. like someone would, you know, that's a more major busy street. Right. The troll is on it. I like to look for parking along that street. If I'm going somewhere on Fremont Ave, like I'll cut down that way because there's long-term free parking down that way. Hot tip. What about you, Christina? Well, I always love the public market sign. The neon sign is in movies. And I love any shots of fairies on the water. Because I just love how there's water everywhere in Seattle. I love being around all of it. And then I think I'd really want to see more movies. They were start filming more movies in Seattle, more of the Capitol Hill area. I just love that neighborhood a lot, particularly the Pike Pine area where Numos is, or the Egyptian. I would love to see those areas in movies. The Comets in Singles. That's where Tad is on the phone when uh, Janet gets the wrong number. I need to be touched. I'm burning for you, Cliff. I think you got the wrong number, lady, but I'll be right over. Isn't Numos in, well, before it was Numos when it was just Moe's, wasn't that in, remember that Drew Barrymore movie that takes place in Seattle? 
Oh yeah, Mad Love. Yeah, yeah, Mad Love. I think, mm-hmm. I think Willis was in there. Maybe I should revisit that movie. I, I remember seeing that. In the <laughs> I don't theater. think so. <laughs> <laughs> Have fun with that. I don't know. That's a private I don't journey for you. I saw as a teenager, probably. Although they had a boyfriend in college who told me that his friend's house was in that movie. Like, her house was his friend's house. So that's something. A Nirvana song and Drew Barrymore's on a jet ski in the middle of the night. And I don't know if she's like on Lake Sammamish or something, but it's like this wild, cool girl jet skiing in the middle of the night. She's a real Lori Singer type. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that movie. And then Chris O'Connell is the guy. Oh, ugh. I'm glad that we got over that Chris O'Connell thing that was happening for a long time. That was not okay. Oh, I do really like whenever there's bridges. Like, any of the bridges are really cool looking. You know what you don't see very often is a bridge being up. That needs to be more of a plot in a movie in Seattle. Like, I fucking got stuck behind the bridge, and that's why I'm 20 minutes late. Right. <laughs> oh, very. I did listen to the rest of that Lynn Shelton episode of WTF, and God, the intro is brutal, but it's interesting to hear her talk about the movies. Yeah, I heard that interview before when it came out. There were things I remembered from it, but I definitely didn't notice the chemistry that he talks about at the beginning. He's like, there's so much chemistry between us. <laughs> and then at the end, yeah, he's like, did I you feel it? Like did you feel thing. it? I was like, mm, not Really? I think that was just what Lynn was like, is that when she talked to you, you felt really special. Because she really did have this glow about her. When I was taking classes from her and I'd talk to her, I'd be nervous to talk to her after class because she was the only teacher who seemed like she knew what she was doing. But she would always listen to me and make me feel like my questions were valid and important. And all the other teachers I talked to were always looking at their watch and made it seem like, I was bothering them, and she always wanted to answer my questions until I had no more questions, and I was just the kind of person she was, that she had a magnetic personality, so I guess <laughs> my parents was like, she was flirting with me, but I mean, obviously they did have something, but I don't know if she would have agreed that it was instant mutual attraction, but I don't know. <laughs> In the interview with Mark, she was talking about how she didn't make her first movie until I guess she was almost 40. I love how she was really breaking in a major way and working on these huge projects and just so sad thinking about all the stuff that was ahead of her. Yeah. She directed almost every episode of Little Fires Everywhere, which I feel like would not have been nearly as good without her involvement. The story's kind of cheesy, even though, like, I think it was acted very well. Kerry Washington and Reese Witherspoon are both acting the shit out of it, but uh, there's definitely, like, a soap opera element to it. But because of the way Lynn shoots things, I feel like it really elevated the story by making it feel more like prestige television because of her direction style. I love the way that she would just hold on people's faces for such a long time and like really let their emotions unfold. Like you were saying earlier, Christina, how she would play a scene without... She really trusted her actors to convey everything she wanted them to convey in a scene without making them be too expository and without, you know, slapping them or playing tricks on them. (laughs) She would just let them act and everything was all the better for it by letting her performers breathe in the scene. She did a bunch of episodes of Glow, and that was so fucking great. <laughs> it's a real right. terrible loss. Do you guys have anything else to say? I don't think I do. No, I'm, I'm really, now I'm just thinking about the 
thinking about Christmas Cena. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, maybe Rosemary DeWitt should be your wingman. I would take her sloppy seconds for sure. <laughs> <laughs> On the Series 3 finale of Paid in Puke, we explore Christian Pepierniak's 2017 debut feature, Izzy Gets the F Across Town, starring Mackenzie Davis. It's also a character actor buffet that includes Alia Shawkat, Carrie Coon, Lakeith Stanfield, and Annie Potts. If you enjoyed this episode of Paid in Puke, Please take a minute to rate us highly on your preferred podcast listening apparatus. If you did not enjoy this episode, no further action is necessary. Paid in Puke is hosted by Amy Green, Christina Barr, and Jessica Baxter. Music by Silent Partner. Follow us on Twitter at Paid in Puke Pod or join us on Facebook at Paid in Puke Podcast. Thanks for listening. Lick it up, baby. Lick it up.